Hi, and welcome to the Frugal Debt-Free Life Podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Sin, and I believe in frugal and simple living. I think that you can save time and save money, and that you don't have to be shamed into changing your money habits. So if you're ready for a grace-filled money discussion, you have come to the right place. Today, I'm excited to talk to my friend Keely. We met over Instagram, and if you follow me on YouTube, you've heard me talk about her before. But we're going to talk about her transition from being a speech pathologist to a virtual assistant, which is something I'm passionate about. I love being a VA. Her tips on budgeting when you have a fluctuating income and all of the things in between. So hi, Keely. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, Lydia. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on the podcast. So I'm Keely Schreider. I live in the low country of South Carolina in the Hilton Head Island area. I have been following Lydia for a very long time, so I became passionate about personal finance because of Lydia, so thank you for all of that. But right now, I am a virtual assistant and online business manager. I help people organize the back end of their businesses, and I'm really passionate about helping people who are beginning small businesses get started and doing it in a way that's going to be sustainable and scalable. When did you get into being a virtual assistant? How did that happen for you? Kind of a long-winded answer, but I was an SLP, a speech language pathologist, for six years, and I kind of knew that it was never really going to give me the things that I wanted out of a job. Um, The schedule wasn't going to be super flexible. My income was always going to kind of be capped out at a certain amount, no matter how much I was working, where I was working, or what types of populations I was working with. But I had a friend from college who worked a more traditional job and then started working in the online space. And I saw how happy she was working for herself and that it was a real person that I knew was doing this and was being successful at it. So I reached out to her and I just said, hey, like, are you actually making money doing this? You know, like what made you quit your, you know, traditional formal job that you spent all this money on to get a degree for? And now you're totally doing something different. So I just chatted with her about it. And then I took a course to become a virtual assistant and I just started it kind of like not knowing anything, just with the idea of, okay, if I like this, maybe I'll keep doing it, but no sweat off my back if it doesn't work out. But I just had to know if there was something different. Um, so I started doing this almost two years ago and then it just kind of stuck. I did the course. I got a client pretty quickly and realized this is what I'm meant to be doing. Did you have any overlap? Were you still working as an SLP while you did VA work? Yes. So I worked at, I start. I took the VA course in March of 2021. And then at that time I was still working full-time as a speech language pathologist. And I still worked as a speech language pathologist and doing virtual assistant work up until May of 2022. So okay. there was the overlap the entire time. So I did both before I took the leap to just do virtual assistant work full-time. When I was getting money from both jobs, that was a nice time. (laughs) Yeah, but I kind of used my nine to five to sort of buy me some time to figure out what I wanted this business to look like just to put away money. Like I kind of used the nine to five as a tool. And also I was still in that phase of, I don't know if this can be real. It almost sounded too good to be true. Like, how can I 
work from home, work the hours I want to work, be home with my baby, be able to go on a trip with my husband and just take my laptop and nothing really be different. Mm -hmm. And so it took a long time, even though I was doing it and being successful for me to buy into that could be a reality because we're so programmed to think that that that's not real, that that doesn't happen for people. But you and I look like we're living proof that you can do it. And you were working around that previous schedule, right? So you were really fitting those clients and nights and weekends. And that's what I tell people when they want to start virtual assisting is you can do it as a full-time income, or you can do it as just a way to make extra money if you genuinely love your corporate job or educational job, because it is so flexible. Okay. So I would recommend that most people start out doing it as a side hustle to see if you enjoy the type of work, um, because it's not for everybody. It does require a certain level of being a self-starter, being a self-initiator, being a good communicator with people. And you do have to manage personalities because you're working online, but you're working with people. So you have to be able to, you know, have some strengths in that area. So it might take some experimenting to also see the type of virtual work that you like doing, because you can make virtual work out of almost any industry. Yep. Um, but just to kind of see what you like, what you don't like. But a big thing for me too, was making sure I was only accepting clients who knew I was not going to have specific working hours. So even now I don't tell my clients that I have, oh, my office hours are 10 to two or they're nine to three or nine to 12. I don't ever say that. I say the work will always get done by the deadline. You need it to get done, but I might work at 5am. I might work at 9am. Um, so just, they have that understanding and I'm very open and honest with them at the beginning. And I did that so that I could keep working my nine to five job. So I would work early in the morning before I went into the therapy clinic. And then also when I came home in the evenings, I would do things. So there, I was open and honest with them that there wasn't going to be a specific schedule, but I would always get the work done on time. And I've even maintained that now that I'm only doing this. I don't have a nine to five job in addition to this. And it, it, that gives me the freedom too to make my own decisions and really make my own schedule. If I need to take my daughter to the pediatrician one day, I don't have to, you know, email anyone and say like, Hey, I'm not going to be answering you right away. They just kind of know that that's the way it goes. And so part of being successful in this business too, is just setting those boundaries and having clear expectations between you and your clients too. But also being reliable. Your clients know you're going to get back to them in a certain time frame. They know your work is going to get done within a certain time frame. And so having those time management skills, because you don't have someone maybe necessarily uh, managing you, you have to manage yourself. So having that, I know I'm going to get X, Y, and Z done by this time. So it really is for people who are self-motivated, self-starters. And you can learn, I'm a firm believer that you can learn time management skills that work for you because not everyone's brain processes time at the same (laughs) speed. Um, But I really do believe that a good portion of the population can learn those time management techniques. Yes, I agree. So how did you financially prepare to become a freelancer? So it's, there's kind of two parts of this story. The practical way is we just started stashing away money after I took the virtual assistant course. Every cent that I made from VA work was put into a savings account or it was used to purchase business expenses only. So we didn't ever consider that money when it was a side hustle as income. It was purely just, let's put that away. 
knowing that in the future, I probably was going to leave my job when we did start the family. So at that time too, we were trying to conceive. And so that was part of the motivation was I had no idea what things were going to look like once we had a baby. Um, but we sort of had a head start. Now it did take us a while to conceive and, and, unexpected blessing of it taking longer than I anticipated was we did have more time to financially prepare. So we were able to prepare financially for almost two years versus me just getting pregnant and preparing for nine months. Mm -hmm. So that was looking back in the moment that was, that was a hard pill to accept. Emotionally, I wouldn't wish on anybody, but it did have a financial perk. So we at least got something out of that experience, but also, um, and I talked about this on Instagram yesterday, but we were very intentional about once we had the goal that once I did have this baby, I was going to leave my job. We were super laser focused on making that happen. So we set up weekly recurring transfers to go to our savings account. That way we didn't have to think about it. We didn't have to physically move the money because if we did, we always would have found something else that we could have spent that money on. Like, oh, well, you know, the car needs this, so we need to use it for that. Or we need to have the yard re-landscaped. We could use it for that. It it wasn't a, we didn't leave the option open to make choices about it. We just made a definitive decision and we stuck to it. And that's really hard to do. But also the annoyance of having to go in and stop the recurring transfer, 95% of the time was enough to make me not want to turn it off. So when you remove having to think about it, it makes it so much easier to be consistent and stick with the plan. But also I want to say too, that was kind of the more practical side of like, we were actively putting money away. Mm -hmm. But also when I went to graduate school, I didn't have, I was very, very blessed and fortunate and in the privileged position that an undergrad, I did not have to take out any loans. I had a full scholarship to my undergrad. My parents helped me with my housing. But when I went to graduate school for speech therapy, they said, you're on your own this time. Yeah. So I had to take out loans for that. I took out $50,000 of student loans to go to grad school. Is If you're thinking about becoming an SLP, it's very expensive <laughs> to become an SLP. Um, so that was my first time really dealing with debt in any capacity, but I knew right away, I did not want that to limit my choices in the future. So even at 22 years old, I had that mindset of this decision I'm making right now about money. I don't love that I have to do it, but it's what I've decided. But now I need a plan to make sure that I'm not going to be paying for this choice 30 years from now. Because I remember the plan I signed up for, it was like, you can pay off your loan in 30 something years. And I just thought, that's not going to be me. Absolutely not. That I will not have my future and my career and my family decisions based off of this decision to take on this debt. So I was very intentional, even when I was in graduate school, to start working towards getting that debt down, knowing that in the future, that that would give me more options and more choices. So one of the first things I did was start watching Lydia's YouTube videos just to learn about like, what does debt payoff look like? How do you do it in a smart way where you're not just totally miserable. (laughs) And I never really ever felt deprived with the things that you recommended. And those things stuck with me. And so I was just so intentional. Even when I graduated, I always spent less than I made. Any extra money that I did have was going straight to the debt payoff. 
So you got to think this is almost 10 years ago. I didn't know that I was ever going to be a virtual assistant. I didn't know that I was ever going to leave the career field that I had chosen that thought that I thought was meant to be my life's work. I didn't know my husband at the time. I didn't know anything about what my life looks like now, but all those decisions I made 10 years ago directly influenced me being able to leave my job because we didn't have this huge looming student loan payment anymore by the time I entered into my marriage. And by the time I got pregnant, Right now, the the loan payment is still happening. So we're we're almost done with the loan. All of that money is sitting in an account ready to go. Unfortunately, with the payment pause right now, we're not having to yeah, hand it over. That. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not. But like as soon as they say, okay, you have to start paying it, it's there ready to go. But if I hadn't been so diligent as a young person, I would not be in this position. And because I did that so long ago, it afforded me this option to be able to make a decision to leave my job. And so people always say, you know, money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you options and choices. Mm-hmm. And that's, it, that's kind of the same thing. <laughs> well, and that's something that we do talk a lot about on the channel is sometimes life happens. And in an ideal world, we wouldn't have to take out debt to go to school or to buy a car or to cover an emergency. But sometimes we do because we live in reality and we only have so many hours and we only have so many dollars, but making a plan for what you're going to do once you have incurred that debt. There's it's done. There's no shame. We we're going to move forward, but we're going to move forward with a plan that we can live with. And that is such a good point. So thank you for, um, for speaking on that. I want to talk about how you budget though, with a fluctuating income, because I am also a freelancer. And if you don't have a good budget in place, it can feel every month like life or death. So what are some tips that you have? So the first thing is there's all different kinds of ways you can do virtual assistant work. So the way that I have chosen to do it is I personally have retainer clients. What a retainer means is they pay prepay at the beginning of the month for a set number of hours. So with a retainer client, the way I spin it to them is they're prepaying the hours at the beginning so that I can guarantee that I have that time set aside for them. So they are guaranteed those hours. Other people might do it hourly where you do all your work for the month and then you send them an invoice at the end of the month. There's no right or wrong way to do it. I just prefer the retainer way. But even if you do it with the hourly way, you know, you probably know the average of a minimum that you're almost guaranteed to bring in. So what I would recommend is always budgeting the lowest months that you have. Use that as the standard. And then anything above that is just kind of a nice extra. But also, depending on the type of work that you do, your income might fluctuate on different months. So, for example, I know some people who are virtual assistants um, for people who sell educational products on a website like Teachers Pay Teachers, and they know that they have really, really good months in August and September. But they don't say August and September, that's when we go crazy, <laughs> you know, but yeah. they plan ahead for that, or they will they will budget a certain amount for the first half of the year. And then the August and September money is kind of the second half of the year. There's no right or wrong way to do that. But generally, I would say, go off of the minimum amount and treat anything else like extra. But also, I have my retainer clients, but then I do project spots in addition to the retainer clients that are just one-offs. And I never treat that as 
income. It's just anything that's brought in from a project spot immediately goes to savings. So we don't even factor that into our budget. That immediately goes into a savings account or to buy things for the business. Like if I want to take a business course or I'm paying for a subscription for a certain tool, that's what that money is used for. We don't necessarily put it in our monthly budget. So a tip that I learned from Debt-Free Mom, I know that you love Debt-Free Mom too, Carly, is to have a high-low account. And that's something that's worked for me with the fluctuating income. And that means basically I put anything extra in that account and the months that may be a little bit lower, I take from that account to cover any expenses that I may have. And so that way, maybe a client doesn't pay on time. That's only happened to me one time, but maybe they don't pay. Maybe there's an emergency we run into. Maybe a client and I have decided to part ways and I have that extra income there to kind of bolster me through till the next month. For sure. And that just speaks to how important it is to have some type of emergency fund, especially when you're working for yourself, because there will be those times. I've had people leave unexpectedly, and there was no way to foresee that and plan for that. But knowing that we had that safety net, it at the, at the time, it was awful. It was yeah. sad. It was terrible. Um, but also, it, at the end of the day, it wasn't a life or death or end of the world situation because we just said, okay, we're going to pull from savings to cover this. And then I'll just go get another client, Mm -hmm. you know, but knowing, having the peace of mind of knowing you have money set aside for those types of situations will make this type of work so much easier. Well, and that happened to me, it was way back in 2015 when I was, my business was only like two or three years old at that point. And I had one big client because I had we had just moved into this house and I had decided I'm not taking on any new clients. And I had one big client and then she suddenly decided to go out of business and I panicked. What do I do? And so that was a hard lesson for me to learn. And I will never put myself in that situation again. Okay. So what tips would you give to someone launching a VA or freelance style business? Well. One, you could get Lydia's ebook about how to start a VA business. Um, but the main thing is just mapping out an action plan of how you're going to do this and then say it out loud to someone else. Say it out loud. That just creates accountability for you. And there is something about physically speaking out a plan because you can keep it in your head all day, but if you're not sharing it with anyone else, that's going to be more limiting than anything. So I would say, make your plan, map it out as detailed as you can and share it with someone. The other thing is there's so much free knowledge on YouTube and Google, and that's great. And use that to your advantage fully. But also don't get so caught up in consuming information that you don't ever execute or implement anything that you've learned. Because if you have all this knowledge about how to use certain tools or how to do something like run Facebook ads or how to use Asana, but you don't ever actually do anything with that information, what's the point? It's (laughs) It's all tactic. (laughs) Yeah. But also, like, do it scared. Anyone that works for themselves is doing it with some level of fear, I would say. And as you become more seasoned and experienced and the longer you've been in business, that fear will start to dissipate. But 
there is no really backup plan when you're the boss, when you are the one bringing in the income, when you are the sole person making decisions about the business, it's, it all falls on you. And that in and of itself is scary. And that part of it may never go away, but just knowing you can still operate and move forward, even with that baseline level of fear and use it to your advantage. Because I think fear means that you care and you want to do a good job and you want to be successful, but don't let fear and being scared be what limits you. That I love that. That's a pull quote. Thank you. <laughs> Taylor Swift told us the good news, the bad news is you're on your own. The good news is you're on your own. <laughs> so you have a little baby who is so cute. Oh my gosh. She is so cute. Um, but what are some time management tips that you would give a new mom who is trying to start a business or who maybe is already has a business, but now there's a baby. What tips would you offer? It's it's so hard. It's so I wouldn't hard. try to do anything, but it's so hard. Oh, and just know. just having one, just a general level of acceptance that if you're a first time mom, you've never done this before, or if you have other children, it might be the first time you're doing this with multiple children, and that can look different too. But I would say the best tip I can give is start tracking your time, even if it's not for business work, because. Some people have, I heard the term time blindness before of they think something in their head is going to take so long. Like let's take laundry, for example. You think, oh, it's going to take me three hours to catch up on all this laundry for the entire week. When really, when you sit down and fold it and put it away, maybe it only took you an hour and 15 minutes. But you thought, oh, it's going to take three hours. So you just budgeted three hours of your time to do that. And really it didn't take as long as you thought. So now that's kind of wasted time. So just having a clear picture of how long things actually take. So in my head, doing the dishes is going to take a literal eternity every night. And one time I set a stopwatch of, let me see how long this actually takes. And it was like seven minutes. Mm -hmm. And so, but because I had told myself, this is going to take 45 minutes to an hour. I had already told myself, I can't do anything else after this. When in reality, I basically got 40 minutes of my life back and I totally could have done something. And so using, understanding how much time something actually takes and having a knowledge of that will help you make better planning decisions with your time. But then also the next thing would be understanding that you're going to have to work in pockets. Like if you wait around for that perfect three hour block of time to do something, it may never come. My daughter's even going to preschool for a couple hours every morning. And I'm always like, oh, I'm going to have all this time to do all this stuff. And sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. And so you have to get over the idea of I can't do anything if it's less than 30 minutes of time that I have. You can do something in 10 minutes. You can do something in 20 minutes. You can do something in 15 minutes. You have to get used to making decisions about what can I actually get done in this time that I have and knowing that it may not be perfect but also setting up a follow-up system for yourself. If you don't get to finish something, having a plan of how you're going to come back to it and how you're going to see that task through to completion is key. And then also, this is something that I talk about, not just about business things, but just general household chores or anything that you don't really feel like doing is remove any barriers to initiating the task as you can. 
So I always give the example of laundry because something that is a chore that I hate doing, but in my laundry corner of my house, I always make sure we have detergent. We never, ever run out. I keep the laundry basket on top of my dryer. I have a mini trash can in there so that I never have to leave the area to remove the lint from the lint trap. I just throw it in that little trash can because if I leave that area when I'm trying to do something I don't want to do, there's a good chance that I'm not coming back (laughs) to start doing it. So for a work example, if you finally sit down to start working with your laptop, but then you realize you need your charger, you need your headphones, you need the notebook that you keep notes in. If you don't have all that stuff together, that is a barrier to initiating. Whereas if you just keep it all together and have it ready to go, then you're way less likely to stop initiating what you're trying to do. And you will see that task through to completion versus getting up, going to get the charger, going to get a cup of water, and then deciding, you know what, actually, I don't want to do that now. I had a Zoom call with a client on Tuesday. um, And she was asking, you know, how do you track when you're going to do things? And I told her my method, which I have a, a shelf right above my desk. And I have everything, every to do written on one sticky note. Everything gets its own sticky note. And I I do it. I grab the sticky note when I'm done and I stick it to the wall. And then at the end of the day, I have a book of sticky notes of everything I accomplished. But the night before I have to get my desk ready. I have to get my sticky notes ready. I have to have my planner. I have to have my extra charger. So I call it clearing the runway. Yes. And so that's something that we do with our house too, is I always, I call it like putting the house to bed is I have a really hard time if I wake up and I come downstairs and there's blankets everywhere, there's pillows on the floor, there's a ton of dishes out on the counter. If I wake up to that, I'm already, I already feel behind. And so I try to, before I go to bed at night, just kind of put my house to bed. I'll straighten up the living room. I'll put any dishes away that need to be put away. I'll run the dishwasher if it needs to run. I'll go ahead and put my coffee cup out. I just kind of have it all ready to go so that I can start off the day on the right foot. Because you're the opener and the closer. And if the closing manager doesn't do her job, the opening manager is stressed. Okay. So where can we find you online? So you can find me on Instagram at Keely Scheider and Lydia, I'm sure you'll link that in the show notes. Um, but that's, that's where I live. I pretty much live in my Instagram stories. So please come say hi. And you do great stories. And she talks about everything from like why it's important for women to prioritize finance to time management tips to, um, I think you've been talking about some baby led weaning stuff recently. So there's the motherhood, time management, business, money management, anything that you could be looking for um, and really just gentle to watch. Um, So kind of the opposite of me, because I'm like, this is (laughs) crazy story, guys. And you're just very like, I'm going to talk in a gentle tone about baby led weaning. And I'm like, I don't even have a baby anymore, but I'm going to watch all six slides because this is soothing to my brain. Oh my gosh. I love that you say that. So there's just already so much chaos online. And I'm like, I want people to feel safe and calm and they leave feeling like good about themselves. Like I always, I want to share my knowledge, not to say, you know, Oh, look at me and look at what all I know. But like, I want other people to feel like that too and feel good and just feel at peace with their lives, feel at peace in their business, feel at peace in their homes and just feel at peace as a person. So well, you're doing a great job. 
that is it. Thank you for hanging out with us today. And I hope that you enjoyed this conversation, that it inspires you to maybe step out, start that business, start that side income, or just see the little things in your life that add up to big things. And I would love to connect with you. You can find Keely in the show notes and you can find me on Instagram at Lydia Sin, and I'm Lydia Sin on YouTube. You can find this podcast and any episode you may have missed at frugaldebtfreelife.com backslash podcast. And thank you to everyone who has left a review. Five-star reviews are my favorite, and that is how people find the show, and I can continue to spread this message of debt freedom. So thank you for being here, and I'll chat with you soon.